You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, the 2020 edition. Man, that's... That even sounds old. Uh, The 2020 edition of uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, inductees unveiled yesterday. They include Whitney Houston, Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, Notorious B.I.G., T-Rex, among others. To talk more about all of this, let's bring in Alan Cross, music journalist, and he is with us now. Alan, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. What year did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame open up? When did this all start? 86. This is the 35th annual induction. Is it still as much a debate and conversation piece as it was way back when on who gets in every year? Uh, I think it's, it's actually getting worse because in the beginning you had a lot of legendary people to choose from. 35 years later, you start to look at who's eligible and you go, okay, well, I guess that person, that band could fit. Uh, and then you end up with something like we've had this year, which um, has really got me seeing red. What makes what has you seeing red here? Well, a couple of things. First of all, the fan voting. The committee to vote on artists into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is 900 and some people. What they do is throw a sop to the audience and give the audience a chance to vote on artists that they think should be in the hall in any particular year. So millions upon millions upon millions of votes are cast and a winner is determined. Out of all that winner uh, who has been uh, selected by millions and millions of fans is equal to one vote up against that committee of 900. So it's, it's a farce. So this year, for example, the Dave Matthews Band was the number one vote-getter in the fa- on the fan side with over one million votes. Dave Matthews Band didn't even make it into the Hall of Fame. Secondly, we start looking at who did. And, all right, let's go down the list. Doobie Brothers, okay, I, I, I guess. Uh, Depeche Mode, absolutely about time. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, sure, good pick. Uh, T-Rex, um, oh, okay, fine. But then we get to Whitney Houston. Now, would somebody please explain to me what is rock and roll about Whitney Houston? Well, here's the ongoing debate, and we've been talking about this all day. Should this this uh, this whole thing be rebranded as the Pop Music Hall of Fame. Does Rock and Roll Hall of Fame keep it too restricted, considering how we've branched out uh, post-50s, 60s, 70s? Well, it should be the Music Hall of Fame, if you're going to be honest about it. Um, but there are other people, there's still a lot of other people that could be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For example, the Dave Matthews Band we just mentioned. What about Soundgarden? What about Judas Priest? What about Thin Lizzy? What about Motorhead? What about Todd Rundgren? All these other acts were on the fan voting uh, ballot and did not get in. So you're telling me that Whitney Houston is more rock and roll than Pat Benatar or Soundgarden or Judas Priest or Thin Lizzy or Motorhead? No. Uh, Here's what I think happened. Whitney Houston's career was controlled by a guy named Clive Davis. Yep. Very, very powerful record executive. And great documentary on him on Netflix, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So if you watch that, you'll understand exactly how powerful he is. So 
Whitney's gone. Uh, however, she left behind a legacy and an image. And the estate of Whitney Houston and Clive Davis would like to see her reputation um, refurbished and rehabilitated and have her as an artist resurrected because there is a lot of money to be made in the post-death arena. Yeah, Hologram tours, box sets, remixes, you know, there's, there must be some stuff there that they want to, to put out and create uh, you know, a revenue stream for them. And one of the things they have to do is rehabilitate her reputation because, again, you know, when she died, if you remember, it was it was terrible. I mean, she was addicted to drugs. Yeah. She, you know, it was, it was an awful. So they got to bring her. They got to resurrect her, so to speak. And getting her into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is one positive way of of, of spinning her her reputation. So I guarantee you that Clive Davis went behind the scenes and twisted a ton of arms make sure that she was voted into the Hall of Fame. But before any of those discussions are held, is the is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because again, this is not a new problem. This has been happening for a couple of years. Um, is the Hall of Fame sitting down and asking themselves, what is our objective here? Do we span all of pop music? Do we bring in the Whitney Houstons, the Madonnas, the whoever? Or do we keep it strictly to what is known as rock music or rock and roll. I mean, clearly, by bringing Whitney Houston into the Hall of Fame, they've crossed that line. Well, it, it began crossing the line with Madonna. Now, again, absolutely, you know, super big pop star, very talented, very commercially successful, uh, you know, don't have any any quibbles with, it, with, with any of that. Whitney Houston, fantastic talent. But let's just look at her versus, say, Madonna. What new did Whitney Houston bring to the rock and pop arena? What innovations did she provide? She was simply a very well-coached uh, singer. Uh, Madonna, on the other hand, you know, brought all kinds of innovation to music with her shape-shifting, with her videos, with uh, her stage shows, all that sort of stuff. So it's it's almost comparing apples and oranges between the two, even though they were both pop stars or are both pop stars. Uh, Whitney Houston didn't do anything remarkable except sing. Hmm. Uh, well, could we say that? Well, see, I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to put other names into the hat because people will go, you're putting that name with that name. Let me ask you this. Didn't this all start with rock and roll it all started with blending uh rhythm and blues and country swing what have you uh and then everything kind of evolved from there i mean you could certainly hear and see whitney houston tied to uh r&b and the r&b charts is that part of this i mean it all it all evolved out of this she, she was very tenuously uh connected to r&b she, she's a pop star she is a yeah. popular yep. music mainstream singer um, but so is Rod Stewart and Sam Cooke. Uh, well, okay, yeah. I may not put Sam Cooke in that category, but again, um, certainly, yeah, I can't take put Sam Cooke in that category, but certainly a Rod Stewart. Well, Rod Stewart was with the Faces and did a you know a lot of rock and roll stuff in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he works. Uh, but okay, let's just go back and, and look. So, at like, what about a Celine Dion? No, absolutely not. Yeah. What about a Mariah Carey, a Britney yeah. Spears? No, 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 no. They don't belong <laughs> because they're supposed to. This is supposed to yeah. be about rock and roll. Yeah. And, and again, nothing to say against their 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 no their their talents. 
But again, let's put let's go back to what we had this year. You know, Whitney Houston versus Pat Benatar. Now, one thing that we can say about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that there are only ten percent of the inductees in the hall are women. Just ten percent. Is Linda Ronstadt in? Uh, you know what? I don't know. If not, she should be. I think she was inducted. Yes, I think she was, because I, th- I saw a, a special on her on CNN recently, and I think they said that she was. Okay, so, so one, the second vote-getter in the fan balloting was Pat Benatar. Now, she was a massive star yeah. in the 1980s. Yeah. She was a, a woman fronting a rock band that could fill arenas back in the days when it was all about the old boys' club. Uh she was a groundbreaker, a pioneer in that area, kind of like what Joan Jett was. Yeah. So you're telling me Whitney Houston did more for rock and roll and women yeah. than Pat Benatar? See, that's this is where the problem is. I, again, you, you have to understand. Let's just. I'm going to calm down a little bit, and I'm just going to step back from it. And I realize that this is a very, very political thing. Remember, this was set up by Emmett Erdogan of Atlantic Records and Jan Winter the uh, head of uh, Rolling Stone magazine. So, you know, these are guys who, who, who certainly have their own personal agendas and favors and biases and prejudices and people that they, you know, hang out with uh, that result in, in things like this. It's just, it, it becomes a credibility issue, too, because if I am a, a, a run-of-the-mill run rock fan and I want to visit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day and I think that, wait a second, Judas Priest is less rock and roll than Whitney Houston? I'm going, okay, there's a credibility problem here. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Again, this this comes back to me for, and you said, is this political or is this a lack of a clear vision of what the hall is supposed to be? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I understand why they're, um, why hip hop artists are coming in because again, that's a cousin to what happened with rock and roll. I can understand, you know, some funk artists. I can understand some, uh, you know, R and B artists getting it. Absolutely. So no problem with rap or hip hop because of its evolution. Exactly. Uh, there were many cousins and siblings to rock and roll, rap, hip hop, uh, R and B. Uh, they are all related, uh, straight ahead pop music is not because if Whitney Houston were around back in the day, she'd be singing songs like how much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> uh, uh, let me ask you this. I, I would, and this is, this is sort of off topic to what we're talking about, but a conversation that I had with some friends uh, recently we went to a, and you know, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this because a lot of people who are really into music and what have you would say, why are you seeing crap like that instead of actual musicians or actual artists, uh, who are, who are trying to, to, to blaze a trail. Anyway, one time, uh, my, uh, I have a neighbor, an old neighbor who is a massive Beatles fan. So we went to one of those classic album rock things and, 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 and listened to, uh, I believe it was Let It Be. Uh, no, not let it be. Abbey Road. I'm sorry, Abbey Road. And uh, and the first thing I noticed listening to this album presented to me this way was how diverse the first four tracks of this album 
uh, was. And to me, that explained exactly why the Beatles broke up. They were just going in, in many, many different directions. Uh, and, and getting back to my, my point, uh, my friend is, he loves this music. He's, he's very much a music aficionado, but he doesn't like listening to new music. And he basically said, you know, it's crap, it's crap, it's crap, da, 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 da. And he was sitting at my house having dinner, and I had a, uh, a, a hit, uh, a hit uh, channel on, not a, a, music, a music service on, and because I got kids in the house and such. And he goes like, what's with this? Where's all the great stuff? That you Where's all the R&B, R&B you have? Where's all the, you got great music, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I, I like listening to new stuff. And he said, it all sounds the same. There has been no evolution in music since the era that he's falling in love with. And I'm thinking to myself, I still love listening to hit music as a guy in his 50s. Does that mean that it hasn't evolved? And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to it. Geez, this could have been in the 80s. This could have been done in the 80s. This could have been done in the 90s. Has music evolved in this era as much as it had in the past? Two issues here. First of all, each generation believes that the music of their youth is the greatest music of all time. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, there is a, an argument to be made that your friend is correct, because if you look back um, on the last 15 years of, of music, and we're talking all genres, not much has evolved. We haven't seen a lot of new sounds that have captivated large numbers of people. Other I mean, than hip-hop or rap, perhaps, but even that's old now. But but that's old now. So, so you know, we let's go back to the 90s. I mean, there was different flavors of rock. Uh, hip-hop was coming of age. We were seeing the beginnings of electronic music, uh, you know, modern EDM. Uh, you know, things were, were still evolving in, in terms of sounds and, and instruments and sampling and all that sort of stuff. We've approached an era where, where things are very much status quo. And if you go back just across the, the 2010s, you know, there's no, there wasn't a big scene or sound that attracted this massive consensus of people saying, hey, this is new and cool. Mm. And if you start looking, you know, scientifically at it, you, you know, the number of, uh, you know, how the songs are constructed, how the, you know, tempos and sounds and influences, there hasn't really been a lot. And it did seem for a while like every era, whether it was grunge, uh, new wave, punk, this or that, every decade sort of had a different sound, a different era had a different sound. Is that still happening? Well, it didn't happen so much with this last era, uh, last decade, unless you want to come, you know, the Drakes of the world and the mumble rap kind of stuff. Uh, mumble rap. Yeah, that, that's that's what it's called. You know, where you have, uh, you know, basically listen to Drake and you get kind of a mumble rap idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, again, there, there were there were some variations and derivations of of what hip hop is all about, um, but no no real super duper breakthrough. There is no center to music these days. There isn't something that society can hang their hat on and say, you know, this. You know the self-organizing community of uh, like-minded people who are into a, a new and cool sound. It's it, we 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 haven't seen that in a while. So your friend is uh, to, uh, correct to a certain extent. The other thing too is that when it comes to pop music, uh, everything's become very scientific when it comes to constructing these songs for maximum um, for, for maximum impact for people listening on streams. Yeah. Now I got I have a whole presentation 
that I do on how streaming is ruining music. In fact, I've got to go deliver this presentation at a conference in Poland in, in May. Um, but but it has to do with the technology that's we're, with which we're using to listen to music and how that technology is changing our habits, our tastes, and therefore changing the way music is made these days. That being said, though, Alan, shouldn't technology and the way we can just share virtually everything, we're finding stuff from all corners of the world, uh, shouldn't that open up what we're listening to? Shouldn't that create more of that new, different, whatever the next generation sound is? Well, we actually are, but it's not with our generation. If you go back to people who are, let's say, 20 and under, and asked to look at their playlists and what they're listening to on their phones, you'll see that they're not tied to a particular era or genre. Yeah. They might listen to Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber, and then all of a sudden they listen to the Beatles and Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And then they'll flip ahead and listen to, to Drake and um, somebody else, and then flip back and listen to Coldplay and U2. Yeah. So they're, the, the, the biases and... Uh, the tribalism that we had when we were growing up when it came to music. You know, you're either a pop fan or a rock fan or an alternative fan or a hip-hop fan or whatever, mm-hmm. and you didn't cross over too much between the, your, your, your tribes. These days, everybody has access to 60 million songs, and they are they're, all they care about, is it a good song? doesn't matter what era it's from, doesn't matter what genre it's from, is this a good song? After some years of a generation like this growing up with exposure to that much music, a number of them are going to end up making music of their own. That means they'll be influenced by 60 or 70 years of yeah. rock and pop. What is that music going to sound like? That's what I'm looking forward to in the future. Valid point. Uh, Alan Cross has been with us, music journalist, talking about the 2020 inductees, and then, of course, moving off from there, as we always do. Uh, always fascinating, always fun to talk to you, Alan, and always great to talk to you without somebody having to pass away in order to do so. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.